You're now listening to the Shoot for Teams podcast with your favorite guys, Dorian and Kyle. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our newly branded podcast. We are no longer the Hardwood Brand Podcast. We are now the Shoot for Teams podcast. And we are, of course, presented by the Hardwood Brand. My name is D Hill, the gift card bandit. Old man Ross, nothing has changed, sweatsuits and uh, fly kicks. Yeah, so with this new podcast, we are having guests on, and our first guest is our guy, Ashanti Cook. Uh, He is the Inglewood native who uh, started for arguably one of the greatest high school teams, the Westchester Comets. Uh, Because of his stellar point guard play, he he gained a full athletic scholarship to Georgetown University, where he was a three-year starter for the Hoyas from 03 to 06. After his career with the Hoyas was over, he took his talents to Europe, where he played for seven seasons, spending time in Germany, then coming back to the USA, playing in the CBA for the then NBA D-League, not G-League, the (laughs) D-League, Mexico and Macedonia. While continuing to follow his basketball dream in 2010, Ashanti got bit by the acting bug. He got his first big break when he booked his first national commercial for Pepsi. But then once his jumper stopped falling, he turned his, <laughs> he turned his attention to acting. Uh, he has since booked several national commercials, and you may have seen him in AMC series Better Call Saul. Welcome to the podcast, Ashanti. Thanks for being with us, brother. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate this. Yes, so, man. Ashanti, uh, let me ask you, when did you fall in love with, with basketball? Uh, I had to be around, like, the age of, like, eight. Um, my grandma and my, my mom's were like big, like, well, my grandmother mostly was a big Laker fan. So like the eighties, you know, like Kareem and magic, the Showtime Lakers and stuff. So that would always be on in the background, but I, uh, but I really probably started falling in love with the hoops was like the nineties, like when MJ came in, like, like he started saying like 89, 90, like when he was right on the cusp of like eventually getting over that hurdle of the Pistons. Yeah. Um, and my mom is from Chicago, so she, like, always had Bulls games on. Um, so, like, we was watching WGN, and she taped the games. And, like, I'm talking about, like, the Bulls could be playing the Kings, and she's watching it, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> Didn't matter, huh? It didn't matter. She just was, like, a Bulls and a Michael Jordan fan and just loved the team. So, like, I kind of, like, just spilled over to me and my brother. Um, and so, yeah, like, watching Mike. He do something, I immediately go in the backyard and try to emulate that joint, you know? Right. So right. That's that's yeah, that's that's mostly where like my love for the game came from. Okay. So okay. You, uh I, I I guess, you know, it happens for all of us. You know, we saw Mike and Magic back in the eighties, nineties, and you know, we go outside, maybe maybe you had a, like a little mini court or you had like yeah. a ten foot or something. But like when did you first uh start playing organized basketball? I started playing at like 10 um, at the Inglewood Y. Uh, I'll go over to Inglewood Y. My parents put me at the Inglewood Y and I was playing um, at the Inglewood Y, you know, like the little purple jerseys or whatever. Yeah, uh, you played there. Yeah, all yeah, of us, yeah. All of us. Yeah, you played at the Inglewood Y. So yeah, I played at the Y yeah. for a couple of years. And then I started like one of the coaches, I think it was Kevin Bell, one year that I played there. And he um, uh, was also coaching for an AAU team called uh, DBA. Values for Better of America uh, before it became TBI. So I went and played for his AAU program and um, and just saw, like, how cool it was just meeting just different people from different areas and playing yeah. against other competition. And then um, 
And then I started playing with ARC after I left VBA. And then we started going to the nationals, the AAU nationals, and like playing all the little national regional tournaments and stuff. And so from then on, like maybe 11 on, it was just like tournaments year round, summertime, like spring, like really no time for nothing else. But other than just school, like I, I tried to play other sports, but like they didn't, you know, have the same feel that I got from like touching the rock. Like I played baseball for two years um, and I just, it was fun, but it was boring at the same time. It wasn't fast paced, <laughs> and I missed like the friends I made from you know basketball and stuff. So, so yeah, from like eleven on, it was just like nonstop, like just AAU tournaments throughout the summer, spring, fall, whenever you name it. I was always, I was always playing. That's yeah. crazy. We we all played at uh, Inglewood Wide <laughs> with um what Mike Solomon was at. Yeah, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike, we all played there. Um, Mike, so oh. transitioning from organized ball and then you mentioned uh playing like AAU why Westchester High School did did I mean why'd you pick that one opposed to Crenshaw Inglewood anybody else well it was like it was you, I was, you can be honest I, well I mean I wasn't gonna go to Inglewood and I wasn't gonna go to Morningside because okay I okay. know what that looks like so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. uh but originally I was supposed to uh my parents wanted me to either go to Campbell Hall or uh Crossroads so that put me on like the wait list for there and I didn't get didn't get in or whatever and um and the next one was Westchester and like luckily my mom had started working at Loyola Village as a teacher so it was like right down the street. She could drop me off, you know, and um, she, we went and watched them play one time. And uh, I think they were playing against manual arts at the house. And this wow. is like, like James Wright with Mook and Curtis Miller. Yeah. And like they had another cat. Um, uh, fuck, I don't remember his name, but they, they, they had a squad, though. And, okay. um, and this is where the Westchester team was like Tony Bland. Uh, CJ, uh, Brandon Granville, David Bluenthal, Chris Osborne, like those that cats. a squad. That a squad. Yeah. I think they won, wow. they won state that year. Uh, yeah. West did. But just okay. like the energy that was going on during that game, and I was like, yo, hey, these cats can't hoop. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were getting busy. And then even Westchester's like JV team had like Samaje and um, a couple other guys that ended up playing on a varsity team, but they were good too. So I was like, I kind of, I, I, I like the little energy here, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. So um, that's how I ended up going to Westchester. And then um, I knew uh, Brandon Heath and uh, Keith Everidge, Jason McKinney too, uh, just from like AAU basketball. And um, honestly, I didn't even know they were going there until I saw them on campus. <laughs> oh, okay. I like, oh, I know you guys like, Hey, what's going on? So uh, so that was like kind of cool to have like some friendly faces that I remember from uh, from my youth to be there as well. Absolutely, yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. So talk about the those crazy teams that you played on in high school. I mean, you guys were loaded. I mean, we I know we just talked about the the teams that got you there, but you were a part of some some great Westchester teams as well. Scared. Like you guys won you guys won three national championships. Nah. Is that two? Is that right? I mean, no, we didn't win three national championships. That's been very uh, generous of you. I appreciate it. Uh, but, nah, we won um, – when I was there, we won three city titles and one state title. There you go. Yeah, three city titles and one state title. So, uh, but, yeah, those Westchester teams were loaded. Like, like even my freshman year, that team was, like, really good. Uh, um, I mean, I played JV my freshman year. Coach Sam doesn't believe in, like, letting uh, JV play varsity. 
<laughs> and I was a nobody, so I'm like, you know, <laughs> I didn't have a name or anything like that. But um, but yeah, just that whole program just like kind of took off, like from the '98 on until it had a nice run to like 2012, 13. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. dominating and like our 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 our. I mean, I want to our my own horn, but like I probably say my sophomore year probably kickstarted like the whole boom of like the Westchester program, you know, like yeah. made really like nationally, like recognized, like, I remember, uh, I remember our junior, yeah, sophomore year, we won, uh, we won city. And then junior year, like we were subbing five in five out. Like <laughs> it was That's like a rotation. It was, I remember that. Like, a yeah, platoon. It was like, all right, y'all got the first quarter. <laughs> the second quarter is y'all. Okay. Third That's quarter, great. we back to this. And then fourth quarter, last couple of minutes, who's ever rolling. Hey, this yeah. is who it's gonna be, you know. Like, yeah, we were subbing like a hockey rotation. It was five in, five out, man. I think we had probably 14, 15 guys go D one. Um from those mm. yeah, wow. like yeah, like good like division one schools like Kent State, Fullerton, Arizona, Georgetown, San Diego State, Nevada, like like cats was like Coach Zell was putting them out, you know, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was just crazy, it was crazy competitive. Uh nobody really had egos. Um, and we just had good camaraderie amongst each other. Like we all generally like liked each other, like, and hung out with each other off the court. And, um, it was like definitely a, a, a crazy, crazy experience, man. Just like traveling and being exposed to just different like tournaments. And you're like, we go to, we went to New Jersey one time just to play a game. It was like a showcase. We just flew out, boom, played the game. And like, you go in there, you see the NBA scouts, uh mellow and them just played before us like mm. like it was it was it was nuts man it was it was it was super nuts like you know you get the whole like nike gear package they're like oh you gotta wear these shoes for one game you're like all right cool like you know it was just a crazy yeah. crazy crazy experience but like forever grateful and just um just just coaches am himself was able to keep everybody very humble. He was like, you talk about a, a person, a good manager, egos, like he was able to keep everybody in check, you know, like their egos are still like instilling like the values of hard work and like, and keeping us on our toes and, um, and, and, and accountable for our actions, yeah. you know? So like everybody wanted each other to do well. And that's very rare. You find that. So. Yeah, yeah. it is very rare. And, but you could also see that on the court, like when I hear players talk about like their teammates genuinely like each other, they hang out off the court. You can see that on the court. And most of the times they're like mm-hmm. successful. Right. They play with, I mean, I, I'm not surprised to hear that you guys uh, were so close off the court. Yeah. We would do like pre pregame meals with each other. Just go like down the street and get a cafe, go to a cafe and like eat before games. Like I said, we go to parties and stuff like that together or hang out at each other's houses. Like, you know, yeah. it was real like like family. Like, I still talk to like a majority of those guys still to this day. So so yeah, it's very rare that you uh you come across that 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 type of chemistry, especially in high school. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh speaking of parties, real quick, I, I think I was a little younger, but I snuck in the party and I saw a lot of you guys, you know, <laughs> Nautica jackets, Tommy Hilfiger jackets. I mean, you guys were fitted. That's Westchester was known for outfits. You know what I mean? That is a and fact. Y'all were just in your own little area <laughs> with all the ladies. And the pretty course, girl. Get, yeah, yeah. I didn't get any rhythm at all. But <laughs> I just want you to know, when you said parties, I, I think, yeah, I snuck into one 
I was a little younger with some friends and uh, I think we came from Laces or whatever. We were at Hamilton and uh, didn't get any action. But, <laughs> you know, I learned, I was like, man, them dudes, they doing something right. We got to right. figure it out. <laughs> but Westchester during that time, like Dorian was saying, you guys were like rock stars and superstars. Everybody was trying to go to the games. Right. And we saw at one point, I think Dorian and I, we watched a, a documentary or a show and Darius and Quentin, we're going to your games mm-hmm. and 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 they say that they stole the infamous fist bump yeah. knucklehead bump from you guys is that true that is true man bottles and uh brand heath and, and Hassan adams were the first two people i saw do it okay and uh but they got like a, a close relationship with those clipper guys with uh, darius miles and, and quentin richardson okay and they developed a, a a pretty good friendship with them and um so it was basically like they would do it and it was like a nod to like us, you know, like to them, to, oh. to, to Brandon and Hassan. But, um, but yeah, Brandon and Hassan would be hanging out with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson like quite a bit, uh, you know, off the court and, you know, just, you know, like little bro, big bro type stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, D miles, he practiced with us a couple of times <laughs> and, wow. and like to see him, practice at that age he was just like what 19 but just to mm-hmm. see how he moved at six nine you just like whoa like <laughs> all right I get why you're in the league and you came out of right. high school just because like it was just everything was smooth he was hella athletic and he was like kind of sharp he was like a step ahead of like everybody and you know we're 17 16 like you're not that far in age but you just right. saw the difference in like why he's an NBA player we're still in high school so it's like you go to college he's gonna destroy these guys like it was different you know like just different. I remember one time he blocked a shot pinned it grabbed it took it two dribbles down just what Giannis does now dunk it that's the same thing he did like in two dribbles it's like boom wow. and now we throw out I'm one two boom I was like holy smokes like <laughs> yeah so was that the first NBA caliber player you had, you had seen on that level or practice with or play with? Practice with yes. But I, I mean, I played like against NBA uh, players too. Cause um, Marlon coach Marlon, uh, one of the assistants at, at Westchester, he put our high school team in the drew league uh, when it used to be up at uh what's the middle school that it was at um, before it was at. Uh, come on, man. We're supposed to know this stuff. Team, right? It was a small deal. It was a middle school. So they had the middle school. I don't remember the name of the middle school, but it was a middle school um, that that used to be at the Drew. But he put us in that joint um, going into uh, my junior year. Uh, So he put the whole Westchester team in there. And he was like, yo, like these summer league games basically were just like too easy for us or whatever. We were blowing people out. We weren't really getting better. So he put us in that. And we play every Saturday, like, (laughs) against like Barron. Um, Chris Young, like um, Milton uh, Palacio, like Palacio. a lot of like, yeah, man, just like old school cats that would come and play or guys that were still in the NBA that were that would play. And um, so like you kind of got better, you know, because you learn little tips or tricks and they giving you like putting you up on game. So like us going into our junior year, like it's kind of a cakewalk, you know. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I mean, I know we lost in the state playoff, but. Like it was like regular season and like playing is just was like it made it so much more easier for us from playing like mm. other NBA uh, competition during those summers. So it was yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. That's that's dope, man. Um, so like moving on, like you know, we're going down your timeline. So uh, 
what colleges like were you recruiting and why did you select Georgetown? So uh, originally I had signed to go to New Mexico um, to be a Lobo. Yeah, Fran Priscilla was the head coach there. And uh, he had recruited me since the beginning of like the recruiting process. So he was like very diligent and like, you know, phone calls, sending me letters and like making sure like he wanted me at the program. And so I took a visit there, Oregon, and um, uh, 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 unofficial to San Diego State. And then I set one up to go to Wake Forest and Minnesota, but both got canceled because people ended up uh, committing there before I could go. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I signed in New Mexico originally because just because uh, my dad was like, you always want to go where you're wanted. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know they had a good program. They have been to the tournament, you know, the past couple years. And Fran Fischer is like a very historic coach, well-known throughout the, you know, NBA-like ranks and stuff like that, well-connected. And um, his team was good. <laughs> his team was good. The, the, the Lobos teams were good. So uh, one of my visit. Enjoyed. I went for the Midnight Madness, and it's kind of nuts. You know, you're seeing, like, all these people with, like, Shanti Cook signs and stuff like that, and, like, got the jersey in, like, the little locker room. you like, wow. Yeah, you're like, wow. hey, this is kind of nice. And put your face on the Jumbotron, and people chanting your name, like, we can't wait to see you next season. So just the atmosphere was crazy. Um, and then plus uh, Chad Bell, who went to Westchester as well, he was already there. And um, so I was like, all right, cool. That's a familiar face. And then they were going to try and get Scott Cutley to come there the, the next oh, year. Wow. Yeah, so it was going to be three of us. And um, he ended up getting fired second half of the season, uh, my, my, my uh, senior year. He got fired. And so I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. So I had a meeting with, like, the new coach they hired. And he basically told me, like, I don't know who you are. You probably won't play, but we're going to release you from your, like, letter of intent or whatever. So, so uh, long story short, Georgetown <laughs> – reached out because my boy Brandon Bowman, who was on the team at Westchester, he was like caught wind that they were looking for another guard. I was like, yo, you might want to take a look. And Georgetown was recruiting me before. They had sent me letters and stuff. And um, and uh, it looked like everything shaped up on their guard end. But then something happened to their, to their guard situation. So I went on a visit and I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Like DC, like is far from home. But at the same time, I wanted to experience something different. Um, you know, build a different different network of people, um, you know, uh, and then also the education part of it is like Georgetown is like one of the most prestigious university in the country. And then just the history of basketball. I'm like, damn, you'll play in the Big East. You'll be on TV almost every night. And then like just look at all the lineage of players that's come come out of there, you know, like, you know, you're talking Pat Dikembe. AI, uh, Reggie Williams, Sleepy Four, you know, like it's a lot, like a lot of cats. And then I'm not gonna lie, when I first went out there, I thought uh, Georgetown was an all black school, you know, like I was like, because you know, you see Big John Thompson, Thompson, he got all black players, it's not a white player on his roster at all. No, it's not, no, it's not. Exactly. And so I was like, all right, cool. That's like kind of a, you know, all black school. I get on campus for that visit. I was like, dog, where are the black people? And my host, Tony Bethel, was like, yo, you met them all. I was like, wait, those are the football and track players. He was like, yes. (laughs) That's all you got. That was it. It was like maybe two, three percent on the campus. And I'm seeing all these dudes, but like the polos popped up. So it was a culture (laughs) shock, too, you know, like Mm -hmm, it's going from Westchester, which was like 80 percent black. 
you know, like, yeah. and you go see that, you're just like, you see these New Jersey, like, prep boys and, like, playing lacrosse. And, like, I'm like, what the hell is lacrosse? Like, right. so that was a culture shock in itself. But, you know, the biggest thing that, like, kind of, like, really sold me was just the education, the history. And then I sat and talked to Big John Thompson. And um, yeah, he pulled me into his office. So I heard you can kind of play a little bit, son. And I was just, like, sitting there. I'm just looking. I'm like, do you know who you are? You know what I'm saying? In my mind, I'm like, yo. So we talked for, like, 15 minutes. And then once I got home. Uh, I just made my decision. It was like, I'm gonna do this. This is this is the smartest, the smartest move, um, basketball wise and career wise. You know, past basketball. So, so yeah. Wow. So let me. I, I got a two part real quick about that because you mentioned John Thompson. Mm-hmm. Did you have any more conversations with him, like one on one, or did you learn anything from him? Um, and then my second question would be, how was it with playing with Brandon? Uh, did he make it easier for your experience being a freshman at Georgetown, knowing the campus and everything like that? So uh, talking to John Thompson, he was there every day when he was at mm-hmm. practice. So, yeah, you, you were able to pick his brain about anything. And it was a lot of times he would just call you over and sit and, and have you sit next to him. And he talked to you about the game of basketball, asked you, like, how school was going, um, what wow. you should focusing on you know life after basketball make sure that you're like making the right connections with people and you know like really stand focused and 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 make sure you're representing yourself in the proper way you know while you're going about off campus you know like he's like yeah you're not only a representation of like the basketball program program but you're a representation of your family so like mm-hmm. you don't want the cook name to be like dragged in the mud and look frowned upon so he's like just start thinking about things like that about how you carry yourself you know like we always uh we had to wear suits, so we wore suits um like to uh to home games. So we wore suits always um always to home games, um and they, he talked about it basically it's just the representation. They didn't want like people to look at us just like oh there goes a black basketball team like. But we would always get asked questions like oh why you guys dress so nicely? Where you guys oh oh we play basketball we're going to. Uh, go to Syracuse and play on a game. So we're, that's why we're hopping on the flight. And like, oh, you guys are so handsome. Like, you know, wow. we, it's totally different, you know, opposed like yeah. the, 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 the track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The tracks. What everybody wears now, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we were totally, like, totally different. He was more so focused on, like, representation and, like, you know, making sure that you're uh, um, representing in, 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 the, in the right light, especially as, uh, as, as black men, as African American. Mm-hmm. In too so so yeah and then playing with brandon to answer to your second question playing with brandon so brandon and i uh we went in together so <clears throat> we were both freshmen and it was super easy because i've known brandon since i was 10 and wow. uh yeah i've known him for a very long time we played aau basketball together uh not in high school we didn't play AAU, you know you end up being like an aau whore playing like all over the place you know <laughs> so um but yeah we played high school together so it, it made it such an easy transition because we were able to like help each other out you right. know figure this whole freshman thing out you know um and uh just get uh, acclimated to the whole like college experience we were able to help each other out a lot so um He'd ask me questions. I'd ask him questions. I'd be like, yo, you need to be a little bit more aggressive. Coach is giving you this leeway. Like, like I think Brandon started his freshman year. Yeah, he did. Uh, he started his freshman year at Georgetown. And he was making a lot of noise. You know, like he was playing really, really, really well and got in the groove of things. Um, so, yeah, so it was easy. And I was very happy for him to see his success, too, you know. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, it just made it such an easier transition just to have a familiar face there. He's a West Coast kid too, you know, like we're both right. from the West Coast, going to the East Coast <laughs> and just dealing right. with that whole change of pace yeah. and the winters and all that type of stuff. You can say it again, the winter alone. <laughs> yeah. So so it was it was it made it very much easy and more comfortable um to, okay. to, to be there with somebody that you knew. Okay. Nice. So so like, you know. Staying with Georgetown, do you have any of, uh, or can you let us know, like, one of your favorite moments or, like, your standout moments at, uh, with your time uh, at Georgetown? Yeah, it was – honestly, it was a lot. Uh, I'm going to give you two. One okay. was uh, – one was uh, the pickup games. So, like, in the summer, we oh. had, like, like, great pickup games. Like, I'm talking, like, a lot of players from, like, the Wizards, um, from Maryland, University of Maryland would come down, George Mason – uh like other NBA guys that like you know from the DC or or, or DMV area would just come and play pickup. So <clears throat> I remember uh one day it was like Gilbert uh Gilbert was there, Steve Francis was there. <laughs> That's uh, trouble. Sam Cassell was there. That's uh, trouble. Yeah, trouble. Yeah, yeah, that was a long day. Gilbert's out <laughs> there like low cut like Adidas like not even like the pro models, but like running shoes. And um, they're oh, not he was really, disrespectful. Yeah, they weren't even laced up though. Like they weren't laced oh. up. He's just out there, one, two, one, two, three ball. One back down, back down, cross, cross, layup, scoop. You just like, and Gilbert's, I didn't know he was that big. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know he was that big. He's so. about six, seven, right? Nah, Gilbert's not that. Tall. He's like six, three. Oh, but his okay. shoulder oh, right. like, oh, he's wide. Yeah, he's white. He's probably like two hundred five, close to two, 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 close to bordering two ten, and he's fast. So he's like, it's 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 it sucks. He's almost like like a LeBron James, but like for shorter guards. You know what I'm saying? Like moving like yeah. hella fast. So like, and he had good body control, and he could shoot. Like what Damon M is doing now, that's what he was doing before. Yeah. Like pulling from half court. Pulling from like the coach's line, the box or whatever. Like he Crazy. was doing that then. Like and he and honestly, this is an ode to Gilbert. Like he was one of my favorite guards. Like he's still one of my mm. favorite guards. And I changed my number to zero because of him. Mm, so wow. yeah, like like I was like, yo, I don't want to wear twenty one anymore. I'm, I'm gonna change it to zero because Gilbert's my nice. guy. Like and he's still my favorite guard. He's my favorite guard. He's my favorite guard. He's my favorite guard of all time. Like Gilbert, Gilbert, yeah, that dude was nice, man. But um, but yeah, Gilbert, Steve Francis. You talk about Steve Francis, like this is Steve with like Catino Mobley, like live oh, baseline yeah. to baseline. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But they were more playing. trouble. Yeah, they would play. They play pickup, and then one time, uh, Magic Johnson showed up and you played. played with Magic. Yeah, Magic came. You know, he running the break and. You know, being the conductor that he is, and still was in wow. good shape. But uh, but uh, but yeah, just those moments of um, of playing pickup. And then I met AI. He came and played pickup one day too. So that was amazing to talk to him. Um, but the second moment would had to be um, when uh, I met Bill Russell. So one day, wow. one day we were getting ready for the Big East tournament, and uh, we just finished practice, and uh, Big John um, calls us the whole team over, whatever. And Bill Russell was sitting there with them. First of all, they walked in and like we kind of all like looked like, oh shit, here comes coach, big coach, like, you know, slouching on in there. But then somebody else comes behind. I'm like, oh snaps, that's Bill Russell. <laughs> like yeah. they just sitting there that's hanging crazy. out, wow. chopping it up. And but um, 
after the practice was over, we sat down, everybody sat down, took a knee, and Bill Russell talked to us for like, like 30 minutes, just like about uh, life and basketball and just like, you know, how it's much more than that. And, you know, you got to prepare yourself for after the game and just make sure you take care of everything. Like just kind of reinforcing that whole thing that we always hear cliche, like, you know, you got to have a plan B, you know, make sure, you know, you're doing mm-hmm. things. Basketball does stop every once in a while. But to hear him like to speak about like uh, things that he kind of went through too during like the 60s and stuff when he was playing, it was just like kind of like nuts. Like he, he, you know, he gave some examples and stuff. And it was just like, damn, yo, you're a legend. <laughs> like you're a Easy. true, true, true legend, man. Like, so that was dope. And it just kind of um, helped light a fire for us too going into that tournament. Um, so that was great. Yeah, that was absolutely great. I think that was the year we went to uh, Sweet 16. So that was my going into my senior nice. year. Yeah, we had a nice little run that year. That's dope. Wow, so man. back up, back up a little bit. Um, talk about your sophomore year because you became a, a starter, right? And then also, I guess it could be your junior year, or senior year. Who was the hardest person you had to guard when you were in school in college? Oh, boy. You mentioned Catino and and Gilbert and all them in pickup, but we talking about <laughs> right. actually like in the Big East, Big East, bro. Uh, who was the hardest person to guard? So my sophomore year, I started. And then, man, uh, who's and that? how was that experience just as a starter? Because you didn't start your freshman year. I know you came off injury. Yeah, it was very eye opening because it's just like, all right, I'm playing starter minutes. <laughs> I got to run a team <laughs> like for Georgetown too. Yeah, for and Georgetown. In the Big East. <laughs> it was a lot, man. I'm not even gonna lie. In the Big East, I was like, holy smokes. Um, and then like we weren't really that good either. <laughs> so like. And that you guys was, were playing – that was when the Big East was the Big East. Big East, right. So, like, let's see. The sophomore year you had um, – who was in that damn conference? Chris Thomas from Notre Dame. You had the young guys over at Villanova of, uh, of Alan Ray and uh, and Randy Foy. Uh, Syracuse at Keem Warwick. Uh, mm-hmm. The year before mm-hmm. they had Carmelo. That was the year they won the national championship. Um, and then it was uh, – there's a cat over there named uh, uh, Marcus Marcus Hill. Marcus, I, I think that's his name. I don't remember. I don't remember. He was a guard for St. John's. And he's probably oh. one of the nicest guards I've ever seen. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, he's a Maryland, he's a Maryland guy. 6'2, had braids, and he kind of played like AI, but more like um, he was more built and had a better jump mm-hmm. shot than AI. He was not as much as a rhythm shooter, but you can get to a spot, raised, like. Dude was, like, cold, like, super cold. So he was a tough check. But the hardest person I probably had to guard was Andre Barrett for Seton Hall. That oh, makes sense. wow. <laughs> Seton Hall. Damn. Yeah. Andre Barrett, for sure. He Super yeah. fast. Super fast. Smart. Great in the pick and roll situation. He'd pick mm-hmm. you up 94 feet if you wanted to. Um, and just very, very smart, man. He could shoot. Yeah. He had the floater game. <laughs> like, yeah, he did. He had a nice floater. He had a nice floater game. Yeah, he, he's yeah. just like you talk about like fast. He was super fast, super fast. But Andre Barrett was definitely probably the toughest check I've, I've, I've had within the Big East. Okay. Um, and then plus he had the green light, so he can shoot whenever he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Which made it tough for you because you're like, bro, come on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, okay. But it was a lot of good competition in, 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 in those games, man. Like you talk about like Notre Dame, Pitt. Um, Miami had a couple of guys. Uh, let's see, Boston College was in it with uh, Craig Smith, Jared Dudley. 
um, Sean Marshall. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, like the Big East was the Big East. Like St. John's had some guys. Yeah. A cat named um, Showtime Hill. I think his name's like Daryl Showtime Hill. Uh, okay. Showtime Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a point guard. I think he was averaging like 19, 20 points a game. And he could shoot whenever he wanted to, too. So you talk – like, but he, him – he had a thing on a string and he's a, he's a New Yorker, you know, like they like to showboat a little bit and got the handle. So like you get out on the Island, you're like, yo, where's my help? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm yo. sending it that way. I need my help. So, um, but it was fun, man. That, that big East, mm-hmm. man, like every night you was just challenged, like, like challenge. It was no, no easy nights off. Like everybody was coming for everybody, man. So. Nice, man. Well, I got I got another question, a small question. Was there a conversation to get that starting position on the like during the off season from your freshman to to uh, sophomore year, or it was just given to you, or did you have to it beat it somebody kinda, out? It just happened because two guys ended up transferring and they didn't have one, so it worked out. Yeah, for you, yeah. Man. Both both guards that were there before me and they were one year older than me. Uh, they ended up transferring. One went to NC State and the other one went to uh, College of Charleston. And they both transferred. Okay. And so I guess Craig Estrick had enough faith in me to uh, to, to keep me and, and start me. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it worked out. No, just wanted worked, to know. You know yeah, <laughs> yeah it, wor- it worked out, man. It worked out. So, um, But I'm never one to, like, run from competition. So even if they were still there, I still would have tried to compete for the, you know, the starting position, you know. Sure. But, right, right, right. Yeah, okay. But, I just wanted to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all the guys that you've uh, got to meet uh, through your connections with Georgetown, who would you say is like the person that you have the closest bond with? Uh, closest bond with? Um, well, to be honest, like a lot of like close friends, closest bond from like playing? Or you just say like, we, we don't have to say bond. We could just say like, who are you still in contact with? Contact with. with. Uh, I talked to, to Brandon Steele, uh, Bowman. I talked to Brandon Bowman Steele. That's my guy mm-hmm. for life. Uh, but probably Jeff, Jeff Green. I talked to Jeff Uncle, Green quite a Uncle bit. Uncle Jeff. I, yeah, him and I talk pretty much every day. Him and yes. uh, another guy named John Wallace, who was my backcourt mate my okay. uh, junior and senior year. Um, but, yeah, I probably talked to those two uh, the most um, especially Jeff. I probably talked to Jeff the most. Yeah, that's 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 my guy right there. That's 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 yeah. that's my guy. Yeah, because him and I were roommates his freshman year on the road. So, you know, you're on the road, you really don't do nothing. You go to shoot around, you go to practice, right. chill, and then go to games or whatever. And if you stay over, you guys have to stay over. So like he was my roommate. So him and I would sit there and talk the whole time. And um I remember him coming on his visit, <laughs> he did something. I was just like and he's going to the NBA. <laughs> it was like an amazing play. Like yeah. I forgot what he like took off. Like you know how he'd be dunking off his one leg now, right? Yeah. He did something like that. And this is when Jeff had braids, like like he had no, like straight backs. And um, he did something. He came down and just boomed that joint. I was just like, yeah, he's going to the NBA. <laughs> I was like, right then and there, you knew. Yeah, huh? I was like. <laughs> He's going to the league. I don't know how we got him over here at Georgetown, but he's going to the league. Like, <laughs> I'm glad he's coming next season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 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 Jeff's my guy. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff is my guy. That's nice, what's up, man. That's real. So, talk about uh, the end of your senior year at Georgetown, and then preparing for the NBA draft. 
And then, you know, your name obviously not being called and the feeling you had and what your next move was. Well, I kind of knew I wouldn't get drafted, to be honest. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, I, I kind of knew uh, I wouldn't. But the only thing I was hoping I would be able to get invited to, uh, to Portsmouth um, just yeah. to, like, you know, potentially get, you know, make a name and play really well and then try and go to the combine or something. But that never came either. So, um I was definitely disappointed at that. I was like, I thought I did enough my junior and senior year to make a case for myself to go to Portsmouth. And I had a great tournament too, Big East tournament and NBA tournament. So I thought I was like, all right, cool. I go to Portsmouth. I do what I got to do. And, you know, hopefully let's, 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 let's get active. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to compete. Um, But yeah, it never came. Uh, So I ended up um, signing with uh, an agent. And uh, I had three workouts, three, no, yeah, three workouts. I worked out for the Lakers, uh, the Lakers, Nets, and um, the Wizards. So I worked out for three teams. And, um, and they went well. I mean, the majority of the workouts was just, like, shooting and, you know, ball handling stuff, like coming off pick and roll, shoot floaters, shoot standstill jump shot. They want to see your conditioning. Um, and then, like, you play. It depends on how many people were in the workouts. I think for my Wizards one, it was, like, six of us so we played three on three um okay and then for like my clipper one it was about like maybe 10 of us so we played fives <laughs> oh, we do, yeah it was a lot of us and then for my next one it was probably like maybe three or four of us and um yeah you do one-on-one full court or whatever like king of the court type deal to see your conditioning which i yeah hate uh <laughs> you don't like king of the court one-on-one full Court, that's well, a beast. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> that's a beast. Uh, King of Court is cool. No, one on one full court is a beast. <laughs> yeah, that's you yeah. got to be ready for that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, because they stick you down one person on defense on that side, the person on the other side, and then like you know, you go and you play against it, you miss, then the next person come back down. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And if you get baskets, you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but uh, but yeah, just preparing for that moment was like pretty dope. It was a cool process. I'm not gonna lie. So, I, but I knew I wasn't gonna get uh get drafted. Um, but uh, but yeah, I my main thing is I wanted to just at least go get invited to Portsmouth, and that just didn't happen. So that was a big letdown for myself and towards my my, my ego. But you know, didn't let it get the best of me. You know, you right. kind of. You know, you're just like, all right, I got to find a different way. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you got to find a different way. Did you immediately know that you wanted to possibly go overseas and play or I just talk about that whole thing as so, well? I, I, I didn't even know that much about uh, overseas basketball, um, like during my, my whole like college thing. I didn't find out about it until my senior year, actually. And one of the assistant coach, Sidney Johnson, he said, who uh, he was one of the assistant coaches at Georgetown, and he sat in on like all my uh, my meetings, like because I had a good like rapport with him, and I um, trusted mm-hmm. him, and I would talk to him the most uh, throughout the season, and um, and so I trusted him the most. And he played overseas for about seven, eight years in Italy, and so he was giving me the rundown, like, yeah, you go do this, all you got to do is stay professional, average about double digits, not even high double digits, just ten points, and you can have a nice long career. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when those options started getting presented to me, I was like, I was open to it. You know, I was like, all right, I want to continue to hoop. Um, 
sucks it has to be Europe, but you know, like I'm open to like the new experiences to see what life has to bring. So I ended up signing with a, a first league team in, in Germany in Braunschweig. And uh, originally they offered me a two-year deal and I was like, no, because what happens if I don't like it? <laughs> but, uh, but shit, huh, hindsight, I wish I would have took the two-year deal just because ah, yeah. team, you know, for the next season. But, um, but no, when I first, my first year getting over there, just the language barrier, that's pretty much it, man, the language barrier. And it's so weird to adjust to the program because you don't have school anymore. <laughs> so... Um, you know, you're used to a set schedule of like, okay, I have to get all my classes done before this time because we have practice at this at four. And then, you know, you have practice four to seven when we practice four to seven thirty. After that, you know, you got homework, right? So when you first get over there, like you're a pro, you're like, I don't even have class. <laughs> what do I do with my time? Like, <laughs> what, what, what do I do with my time? Okay, we had a 10 o'clock practice, right? Now we don't practice again until six. What the hell am I going to do? Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you do two a days a lot in Europe. So just trying to find out what you're going to do through that time is, was the biggest thing like that in the language barrier, just trying to figure it out, like what you're going to do with your time. Um, but I had a couple of good vets that like gave me some tips, like, and you know, things to do with my time, you know, they were like, Oh, you know, you can, check out a new restaurant or, you know, go walk around and like, look at the architecture, go to some museums or something like that. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to yeah. do that. And that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> so kind of yeah. immersing myself within the, uh, the culture. Um, so, so yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Nice, man. How, how'd you like the style of play? Like what, what was the biggest difference between overseas basketball and obviously basketball over here? Uh, the European style is, is way more team oriented than 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 in the states. You know, like if you look at the NBA program, like a lot of his two stars, you know, who's gonna get the ball, you know, it's gonna be a lot of pick and roll action, a lot of ISO action. Europe, it's a lot of like swing, 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 cut, cut, pass screen. Like it's a lot of like flowing and movement. And um so it's not ball dominant at all. Mm. Like, yeah. So that's that's a big thing. It's 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 more physical, like surprising, like it's very physical. Like those refs, like legit, won't call a call unless like you break something. <laughs> oh man! Like, you know, you go to the basket and the dude like break your arm or whatever. He'll be like, okay, that's a foul. Like, other than that, you're not you're not getting the call. You're not getting no calls. No, especially American. Nah. Oh, yeah, they're like, nah, bro. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, I mean, we get a bad rap because they already think that we think we're the shit when we're right. going over there. And, like, the world has put it as, like, Americans are the best at basketball. Right. You know? So they already have this preconceived notion, like, nah, F that. You already think you're the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to help you out. Um. But, uh, but, yeah, it's very physical, very team-oriented, and um, they're very, like, uh, they're good X's and O's guys, too. Um, very good X's and O's. And the defensive rotations are very on point, too. Um, I'd probably say that that's those are, like, the biggest things that kind of stuck out to me. Oh, and they're very heavy on, like, the, uh, the three-point shot. So, like, oh, okay. yeah, very heavy on the three-point shot. And they're very, like, they also, like, want their guards to pick up full court, 
which I'm like, you can't, I can't sustain that for no. uh, 40 something minutes or whatever. I think it was like, yeah, can't sustain that. <laughs> it makes, <laughs> I'm, I'm it makes sense though. Yeah. I'm, 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 it's like, I, I'm sorry. I can't do that the whole game, you know, but, uh, but yeah, they want you to pick up full court and then they want you to score, you know, 15, 16 points. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty taxing. And then the two a days, um, and then sometimes they'll do some like outlandish like training stuff. You'll be like, "What does this do? Like, <laughs> why are we doing this? Like, you're doing like all these little small micro movements." <laughs> so, um, but you know, you you like initially I was like, "What is this?" But then you get over it and you become open minded and like you just realize you're learning something else and putting it in your tool bag. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. You had a nice career over there too, huh? Yeah, yeah. I played four years in Germany. I played a year in Macedonia, which was wild. Um, just because, like, Macedonia is in Eastern Europe by Serbia, and uh, mm-hmm. they're a little bit behind in the times, a little bit. Uh, but like overall, like the country is like, like a lot of the people there are friendly, um, like super friendly, like very friendly, just giving like beautiful souls like of people you know like whatever you need like they'll do their best to like make it happen for you uh the food is amazing um the food is absolutely amazing uh i was the only black person in my city (laughs) so wow yeah yeah uh, that was the first time that was a first and um so everywhere i went i was just getting stared at the whole time like (laughs) like like literally like stop (laughs) doing what they're doing just to stare as i walk by but um, but they'd ask questions like, "Yo, what are you doing here?" <laughs> like, yeah. I, would ask I was just gonna ask. You, I was gonna ask you like, how was that? Like, I know you know. Sometimes here we go to a, a different part of the Los Angeles, and we're like, we get those stares. But to be the only one, possibly that they've ever seen in person, like I yeah. know that had to take some time to get adjusted to. Totally, man. I remember <laughs> the first day I got there, it was like. Two, no, it was a couple days later we had to go to practice. So they showed me where the gym was and like where my hotel was at. It was off this path, but the path that I needed to take to get to the gym was where all these restaurants and bars were at. And we had practice during the day and it was like a Saturday. And so everybody was outside. Like the weather was still nice in September. And so I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> So I started walking and like, I'm telling you, like all the chatter stopped. Chatter, people stopped drinking and eating food and just stared at me as I walked the whole path to the gym. And I was just like, I had my headphones in, but I had pressed pause just to like hear like, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the reactions and stuff like that. What they were gonna say. And um, that was just very uncomfortable, <laughs> but it was funny at the same time. I'm like, damn, I'm really the only black person <laughs> on the city. Like, not one. Um, and I didn't have any uh, teammates either. Like, I was the only uh, import. I was the only American at the time. Wow. Only import. And so, uh, luckily, uh, one uh, another import came probably like two months later. So, it was both of us, the only two black people in the whole city. And I remember we ran into, uh, we ran into some girl who was part of, like, the embassy woman that was part of the uh the u.s embassy and she was there during uh for some conference or something like that and i was like yo black person how you doing like, 
<laughs> talk for a little bit. I was like, yeah, we're here playing basketball. Like, what do you do? You know, like, so <laughs> it felt good to have somebody else. <laughs> I believe it. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, they thought I was a gypsy. Some people thought I was a gypsy. Like, <laughs> the other gypsy people, my brother, my brother. I'm like, nah. <laughs> Don't do that, bro. <laughs> That's funny. What an experience. Yeah, wow. man. 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 <laughs> what an experience. Yeah, very fun. But very, very, very good experience. Very good people. And um, I still a couple of people I still talk to from the country. And uh and oh nice. Still, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's up. Wow. Um, so you know, basketball is kind of, you know, I don't know exactly what year it was when you decided right. to look for other options, but why did you decide to go into acting? So acting, like I took a couple acting classes in like middle school. I took some at Georgetown because they offered it and just, you know, like, all right, I need to fill my time (laughs) with something. So I took it and I was like, this isn't that bad. And uh, so it was probably the summer of 2010. I had just finished playing in the G League with Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. And um. Uh, one of my friends, Omar, Omar Wilkes, he was doing sports commercials. I saw him on like a Nike get ag. And I was like, yo, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a Nike, uh, it was a Nike hyper rise, like commercial, like KD, Andre Iguodala, like they're like okay. rapping a little bit and he's in it. And I was just like, dog, that's kind of cool. Cause you know, like Omar can hoop, he played at Cal, Kansas, like he was a Mickey D's. And so um, I hit him up. I was like, yo, how did you, you know, like, like, what'd you do? He's like, oh, man, you know, like, uh, I got this agent or whatever. Uh, you should hit him up. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to do that. So the first job I did, I booked, was a Pepsi spot. And uh, it was with Will I Am, And all they had me do was, like, dribble the basketball to the beat of, like, the music. And it was a Super Bowl yeah. ad. So I saw, like, how much wow. you got paid for, like, not doing anything, really. <laughs> and I was just like, hmm. That ain't bad. I was like, this, this is not bad. I was like, this is not bad. I got no stress yeah. on my body. I only put in eight hours. <laughs> I get like these little residual checks. This stuff, this is not that bad. But uh, but it really like came to the forefront when I uh it was one year I didn't get a job. It was like 2011 to no 2000, yeah. Actually, when I finished playing in G, when I booked my first gig, I didn't get a job from 2010 to until 2012 season. So I'm sitting at home. <laughs> you know Wait. waiting or whatever and nothing's popping up but then i started doing more of the sports commercial stuff um so i started booking like at&t i did Citibank, i did a couple nike spots some adidas spots i did a powerade spot and i was just like ah oh, this isn't bad so i started reading up more on it like for the tv and film side about mm-hmm. everything you needed to do and i took an acting class out here in la and i'm still working with the same guy that i met you know uh 10 years, 10, 11 years ago. And uh, so I took his class and it was very therapeutic, to be honest, mm. like getting up there and kind of just like not being afraid to like be a fool, you know what I'm saying? Just to like yeah. let go, you know, in like a safe environment. And um, and just to bring like certain emotions that you didn't know that you had and bring it to like the particular exercise that you had. And you're like, oh, shit, like being vulnerable on stage. And like it actually like activated more of my hearing because acting is a lot of it like listening and, you know, reacting in like the most like uh, authentic 
way possible, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's basically how I started on the whole acting path. <laughs> I found it very therapeutic and I always like enjoyed movies and TV. And yeah. uh, so I was just like, all right, when I'm, when I'm done, like this is something I want to like tap into when I'm, when I'm, when I finally stop, uh, stop hooping. So. Dope. And, and talk about the similarities between auditioning and basketball trials, if there are any at all. Uh, there's a lot to be honest. Um, surprisingly, uh, um, cause there's a lot of improv that happens, like stuff that happens on the fly. Same thing with basketball, you know, like, yeah, coach may draw up something, but they throw out a different defense. You got to like shift and do something different, you know, um, mm-hmm. or the big rotate over quickly. You're like, Oh, show, you know, switch hands, stuff like that. So when you get in your auditions, like you have to remember, like, it's your time. You do what you're supposed to, but the same thing is like preparation too. You want to be prepared for the moment. So if anything happens, you know, you can flip on a dime. Like, you know, the ins and outs, just like, like I said, for basketball, you know, position one through five and where they're supposed to go as a point guard. So if somebody's out of place, you'd be like, yo, nah, you're supposed to be over there. Like, you know, you could be a conductor and know the ins and outs. And then that's when you can do the improv because you know, the, the the foundation you know the grounds you you put in the work and so it's the same thing for auditions man and and and, and acting just because it's uh well tv and film isn't live you know it's all like you know re- yeah. uh, rehearsed and stuff like that but like i did a stage play and that felt the most like authentic and equatable to uh playing basketball because it was just live, fast paced, boom, 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 boom. We did this, I got this action. It was just like flowing like the whole time. And then when I was done, I was just like, man, that's a damn adrenaline rush. I like that. Like, so yeah, it's, it's cool. So that's probably like being on stage and theater is like the most like thing that relates to like actual like basketball stuff because okay. it's a crowd, the lights are there, like, and you got your other players and you're all playing off of each other the whole time, you know, like you're, you're, you're playing off of putting it. Yeah, you're all playing off of each other the whole time. And also, you got to know your shit because it's no, like, cut, you know what I'm saying? Like, back to one. It's, like, it's live. So, if you don't know your line, like, the audience going to pick up on it. They going to pick up on it. But hopefully, your teammates got your back and they can throw right. you that. You know? So, it's kind of, yeah, that's the most thing you can kind of equate it to. Nice. Okay. Um, so, so, you talked about a lot of theater and then, you know, like, like you said, like if you mess up there, you just kind of keep it rolling. Like it's yeah. not like like you don't want to get caught in the headlights. You got to keep it rolling, like you said, and helping your teammates. Whereas on the on a series, if you mess up, they're like cut. Yeah, it's like a timeout. Like exactly. hey, you got to go. It's over. Yeah. So like talk talk about your experience on a uh, Better Call Saul. So Better Call Saul, man, I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad and. Uh, so I was familiar with the character and I knew they were coming out with the TV show, spin off of it. And um, to be honest, I never watched the show, <laughs> but I knew the character, but uh, everything <clears throat> I sent in a self tape for uh, the, uh, the, the role of a lawyer uh, who um, the, the lady's name is Kim Wexler. It was to be mm-hmm. her associate. And she's like one of the leads. She's like the second lead. And uh, so I ended up booking a job. I had no idea where it filmed. My agent was like, yo, you booked the job. You have to be in New Mexico on this date. And I was like, this shit shoots in New Mexico. <laughs> I was like, wow, full circle, right? I was just about to yeah. say that. Yeah. 
in my first acting gig in the first place I signed to go to college that I wanted, the original one to sign was in New Mexico, right? Yep. Same place, Albuquerque. So I flew to New Mexico and we had like, um, we had a rehearsal with, uh, with uh, the lady that plays uh, Kim Wex, her name's Ray Seahorn. And in our hotel, and she calls like uh, the other two people that she's going to be in the scene with me and another lady named Amy. And we go down and we rehearse the scene and Ray is like giving us the game, like, don't worry about it. This is going to be all right. Great. Uh, the cast and crew are going to do the best they can to make like, you know, give you the best opportunity to succeed and show your best work. So don't feel nervous. And I was like, wait, this is my first TV. <laughs> They're like, what? I was like, yeah. So like, y'all got to like, <laughs> y'all have to like work with me a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. like, I don't know what to expect, man. So, but I get on set. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is there, met him, um, who plays Saul. And then uh, and then we just get into the scene. And it was like, it was kind of like, like basketball. Like once the ball's thrown up, like all the nerves go out of, <laughs> go out of the way, you know? So once yeah. they hit, you know, like rolling, like it was the same thing. Like my nerves went out of, out of the window. Just like I was prepared for it. And like, you know, the, um, uh, my, 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 my intuition and all that type of stuff, like just kicked in. It, it started to be second nature and like my habits and stuff that I like trained for, for that particular like role. And that, that scene, like just kicked in. And I just remembered the training. And so I was on like autopilot. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. And so it was kind of, kind of interesting, like how like preparation, you know, keeps you prepared pretty much like you don't have to think about it because you already did the work and now you just got to trust yourself and don't overthink it so yeah it was fun I'm not gonna lie great cast great crew everybody was very uh like she said before was gonna do the best to pull out your best work and you know like the director would come over and be like hey try it this way um, and then make sure you turn your face this way so we can get you on camera, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And like, I'm, I, I'm still so new that I didn't know the different tricks and like angles to like get more facial recognition and all that type of stuff. <laughs> so I'm learning all this stuff on the fly and asking questions. So it was dope. It was a great experience, man. Like, like, like I was, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. That, that was, that was amazing, amazing experience and, um, such a safe space too. Um, and I heard like a lot of people like, for their first jobs, it's not like that. So I was just about to say, dude, because a lot of people, I mean, I'm familiar with it. Um, a lot of people start off as extras. So mm-hmm. like you have a background and you kind of get to watch what the the main cast is doing. And then you kind of like over a, a bunch of jobs, like you kind of understand all that. But you, sir, right. you get to go right in and, and be a guest star on the series that's, you know, a part of one of the, the greatest uh, series of, of TV history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was I like kind of leapfrogged a little bit. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I kind of leapfrogged a little bit, but like I said, I'm glad it was a, a, a safe space and everybody was just very, very, very nice. And um, cause like I said, like a lot of people said, nah, well, like, nah, it, it helps. aren't going to be as good as like this one. So you kind of like, are uh, spoiled a little bit, <laughs> you know, so, but, um, but it was fun, man. It was fun. It was fun. Nice. And then you, you continue to leapfrog, uh, because now <laughs> you, you, you get a job on Space Jam New Legacy. So, right. so talk about, 
talk about your role <laughs> as the, the basketball tech advisor and what that consists of and, and how'd you even get the job? I mean, you just keep leapfrogging. <laughs> <laughs> now you're behind the scenes. So I'll talk about that. Right, right. Uh, man, so actually uh, the, the sports coordinator, Mike Fisher, he's done like so many like sports movies. He's done Remember the Titans. He did Glory Road, uh, Blind Side. He did uh, all the sports coordinator for uh, Friday Night Lights, the, uh, the, the, the TV. I mean, not the TV, the, uh, the, um, the movie. The movie with um, okay. So he did that. But he has, his resume is like crazy. And um, he does a lot of the Nike spots that you see, too, with like LeBron and Kobe Bryant and all those guys, Jordan Nats. But, uh, but, you know, I had done a couple, quite a few big gigs with him uh, before, like working as, like, as, as, as talent. And so he asked me one day, he was like, I got this Space Jam movie coming up with LeBron. Do you want to uh, be my assistant? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> no brainer. Right. And um, I never really kind of knew exactly what he did. You know, like I knew he just like set up stuff or whatever. But but basically the sports coordinator, you know, those scenes that you see in sports movies, they need somebody to make the action look as real as possible. Um okay. And so that's basically the job of the sports coordinator to get everybody and get actually like realistic people that know what they're doing on set and to make the action look as believable as possible, you know? So, um, and that's pretty much what the sports coordinator does. And they work in tandem with the, the director to try and get the best possible shots. Um, and of course they bounce ideas off of each other, but you know, like a majority of Hollywood, I hate to say it, they, they're not familiar with sports like that. Like, <laughs> So, you know, you start speaking the language and they're like, uh, okay, that sounds good. Can we see it? You know, like, right. And it could be the worst play. And I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. And you just, you know, so that's why you see some movies, you'd be like, yo, that would never happen. <laughs> right. I always right. think, I always think back to like Team Wolf uh, as a kid watching. I'm like, how? how? Like, he, he shot it from the corner and it banked in? Like, no, that is not happening, bro. Don't pick on Michael J. Fox. Let him live, okay? You could have picked a different movie. Right. Y'all uh, remember um Hang Time from uh oh, yeah, yeah with show? Anthony Anderson, right? Yeah, with Anthony Anderson. You'd be like, bro, like wait, wait, wait. Horrible. Exactly. <laughs> so, but that's the job of the sports coordinator is to make it look as authentic as possible. So um he asked me if I wanted to work on, on Space Jam with him, and I said, sure, no problem. So it was a three-month commitment. And uh, we held auditions for all the mocap players. Uh, oh, of the mocap players of the of the the people that were going to be the the the, the monsters or the mm -hmm. goats that's what they're called and um so we had to have trials for people that kind of resembled anthony davis height and likeness or whatever anthony davis diana tarasi neka Bumake, um damian lillard and clay thompson yeah. and so uh so we held auditions and um, I was basically like putting people through workouts and drills and stuff okay. like that right there, day, day, uh, you know, two days for two days. So like, and the director and stuff is all out there in the production and stuff is like, okay, we like these people, like these people. So um, they landed on the people that, that, that they chose for the, for the mocap players. And then we had to find um, Looney Tunes players, which is like a lot of the, um, girls we use girls because they're the smallest um women because mm -hmm. um, they're small and you know equivalents like like highs height wise with uh with tunes 
So, but all the tunes that were the women could hoop. Like, <laughs> they really could hoop. Like, some of them play, like, in a, the beautiful basketball league. Yeah. Uh, late, late, yeah, that, yeah. In, the, in the women's Drew League. And then, um, like, two of them played at UCLA uh, women's basketball team. And actually, like, one played for the Atlanta Dream. So, like, they actually knew what they were doing, which was great. So, like, everybody yeah. we chose – actually knew how to play basketball. So it wasn't foreign language at all when we were running them through sets, when we were doing our rehearsals and practice and training camp and stuff. So it was very seamless and easy to work with them. And then I got appointed the job of training uh, the second lead. Well, yeah, I give him the second lead. Uh, his name's CJ. So he's going to be playing LeBron's son in the movie. Cool. So they wanted me to train him for like a couple of weeks just to shake some rust off or whatever. So that was dope. Um, and then just we were on Warner Brother a lot the whole time um, for like 60 days, just hammering out just different scenes. Um, the director, Malcolm, Malcolm Lee, who's a Georgetown guy and Spike Lee's cousin. Uh, he's done the best man role bounce and a couple other films. Um, he's a Georgetown. Yeah, I've seen, I've yeah. seen his name in a couple movies. Right. Yeah. 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 He's a Georgetown guy. So it was good to like, see him and connect with him and talk to him and so it <laughs> all comes back full force so. right yeah i was about to say it's full circle with you full man. circle man so um so it, it was it was it was it was a great experience i learned a lot network a lot and also was able to like sit down and talk to like one of my favorite actors don Cheadle, because he he's saying yeah, one of my favorite actors. So like talking to him, I was able to talk to him and ask him for some advice and pointers and stuff on like the whole acting situation and things. And um, and it was it was just dope. Like you know, the downtime, people Don Cheadle would be playing spades with everybody. Like it, it was super cool. He talks a lot of shit, but it was like yeah, he does. But it was cool, man. LeBron would be over there playing spades. Like so, it was dope, man. It was just an overall like dope, like cool, like experience everybody was like very kind everybody was very kind very professional and um so yeah I'm thankful thankful for that and now it's spawned into like me getting another gig uh working underneath Spring Hills um company they're doing a movie called Res Ball and um so I'm working on that and that that's a high school basketball movie based on um that takes place on a Native American reservation so I'm gonna be doing the basketball I'm gonna be the lead guy on that one so so yeah man um you mean the lead guy as far as Behind the scenes or yeah, I'm gonna be, no, I'm gonna be the lead uh sports coordinator. So I'm gonna be the lead like head guy. So I got my own little like congratulations, little, man. Yeah, congrats, man. It's crazy, it's crazy how you go overseas and you're wondering how they're putting you through these two-a-day training and you're like, what what workout is this? And now you're putting people through these two-a-days and exactly. training for movies. So they're looking at you like, what do you have me do? Like I thought right. I just, oh, no, it's more to it. So it's funny. right. Like he said, full circle. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. And just pretty cool. You know, taking things that you've learned over your life and just putting it like in your little tool bag, you know, eventually yeah. you may need to use it, you know? So that's yeah. dope. That's really dope. So so what do you uh what do you like more now that you've been able to be in front of the camera and behind the camera? I mean, it seems like you you're starting to have a career behind the camera now too. So how are you gonna juggle that moving forward? Man, uh it's tough. It's tough. I kind of like both. I'm more so like the in front of the camera. Um, mm -hmm. But I do like because you get more you get creative. You can be creative and you play a lot of just different stuff and tap into a lot of different emotions and you play different characters and and things. So I like the in 
front of the camera stuff, but I do like the sports coordinating thing. So if a job pops up, let's say like a commercial, whatever, like, yeah, I'm going to take it one day or whatever. Yeah. Um, if nothing's popping off like acting wise, sure, I'll go do a movie for three months. You know what I'm saying? Like, in a day, I still got to pay my bills. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's still a resume builder. And you just kind of never know who you may meet. You know, I might meet a director on there and be like, oh, so what do you really do? Like, what do you really want to do? Oh, you know, I'm an actor or whatever. I've done this, this and that. I'm like, oh, huh. You know, you never know. Maybe the next this job they hire you to be in front of the camera as an actor. So um, I just always try and look at it as like an opportunity to network as much as possible um, while still doing the work. With the sports coordinator thing, you just be very creative, too. You know, you still have a hand on like the development of the project. You know, it's just mm -hmm. in a different way. Um, it may not be through 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 acting, but it could be done um, through the, the the coordinating and stuff like that. Like you like that's your stamp. You know what I'm saying? It's like I did the basketball stuff on that movie, you know. So, yeah, like just think about the guy that did it for Hoosiers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Good basketball movie, you know, or Glory Road, yeah. like the action for it or or he got game, you know. Like, there you go. Yeah, Talk exactly. about it. like you those those basketball scenes are kind of memorable you know so you can leave your stake on that you know you didn't yeah. say above the rim what you you know it oh man my bad. hey my bad <laughs> my bad Kyle Watson my bad man <laughs> I'm just trying to check man that's my favorite movie above the rim is his name is Kyle yeah. it's a lot that goes in I just didn't <laughs> go to Georgetown so so let me ask you this um so you worked on Space Jam yeah who would Ashanti Cook Space Jam and why? It could be any player from the 80s, 90s, whenever. Who would you Space Jam? Who would I Space Jam? Who would, yeah, who, whose powers would you take? Damn. Yeah, we put you on the spot, <laughs> see? Yeah. And that's tough. Who would I Space Jam? Yes, sir. You repeating the question is not helping. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Buy myself a little time. I, probably no, say, I know, I know. I probably said Kevin Durant. Okay. okay. I, I take his powers. <laughs> you just think, and why? Just because of the talent and, that he has? Hey, that dude is, is absolutely, like, the most unguardable person I've probably ever seen. Who, like, because he can do anything and everything. He's seven foot tall, and he's smooth, too, though. Yeah, like Smooth game. Smooth, smooth he game. He got a handle. He got a mid-range. He can post you up. He can turn over both shoulders. He plays defense. Um, he's a good weak side rotation defender. He has a little bit of grit to him too. He doesn't shy away yeah. from the moment. He's been in clutch situations and he thrives in it. And he can shoot from deep. Bounce. <laughs> he's a good catch and shoot shooter. He doesn't force anything. Every time he scores, it's always in the flow of the offense. It's never like you know, like ISO one. I mean, he'll get into that every once in a while. But the majority of his stuff is like within the flow of the game, man. And he's smart, too. He has a high basketball yeah. IQ. So, I, yeah, it would definitely be him. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's, you, that's a great pick, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. Nobody's mad about that one. He's tough, man. He's tough. Yeah. I was very sad that they lost, though. I was like, man, I wanted to go <laughs> to the final. I know it's your guy, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jeff over there. I'm like, yo, Eastern Conference Finals, here I come. I'm going to go to the game. But they'll be back. They'll be back. Injuries, you know, injuries true. just, you know, they, they'll be back. They, they're they strong. They run it back? You think they should run it back? Same team? With the same squad? Yeah. Um, I mean, why not? I mean, I know they're yeah. not going to get to have Spencer because mm. 
I don't I don't know if the money is going to be there for him. Um, but yeah, I, why not? True. I, and and we had a conversation yesterday because we got another podcast. But if they get Ashanti a few more role players, that would help guys that just know like Uncle Jeff is a good guy that knows his role. He's not going outside of that. But if you get guys that are just names and they trying to no disrespect to Blake Griffin, because I think he played well, but I feel like he was trying to get his name back, you know, instead of just knowing his role. Got you. Um, Cause you got KD and Kyrie. I mean, and James Harden, you just get pieces. That's all. Got it. Got it. Got it. Some good role, some good role guys. Like I think I'm, I, you know, that's what I, I was going to say. And we need Jeff to stay on one team. I don't know why the league, they keep letting this guy shuffle around. Like, Every team he's played on, he has been a significant part of their success. And I don't understand. Like, me and you talked about this, Ashanti, on Instagram. Right. So, I don't understand it, man. He got his – He. I hope he, he gets to stay there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope so, too. He seems to like the city, too, um, just the culture with the Nets. Um, they're putting, yeah. like – they put the best interests at heart with everything. Um, and he likes New York. So, <laughs> like – Nice. New York is – I mean, who doesn't like New York? You know, New York is just – that market, you're able to just tap into so many different things, man, just outside of basketball, build like a, a, a life outside of basketball, post-basketball, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he he had a good time over there in Brooklyn. And plus, you know, he's familiar with KD and James. You know, they played together at OKC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, him and KD grew up together. So, so we'll see. But, yeah, they yeah. Need, uh, he needs to stop bouncing around. Hopefully uh, he just signed a few years or something there or something like yeah, that. Yeah, man, come on. I think, they, I think they're going to keep him. They sh- I mean, they should, you know, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. But, you know, rounding out uh, the podcast, we wanted to – I know you had mentioned earlier about um, what you have coming up next, um, but we just wanted to give you a little time to uh, let the people know, uh, you know, what's, what's coming up for you and, uh, you know, where they can follow you. Oh, all right, cool. Um, got a couple things uh, happening. Um, I have the 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 Native American Reservation movie that I'm doing. Uh, currently writing a TV show with a friend of mine. Uh, what else? I'm working on two documentaries. One based on uh, actually Westchester. <laughs> so, bro, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm working on that, and then another one um, about the Georgetown basketball culture. Um, okay. The whole like thing you know like like outside of coach thompson you know coach thompson and just the after effect that it had just the culture and like what he represented towards african-american society uh the fashion how most you know hip-hop artists were wearing you know the the georgetown you know paraphernalia and the starter jackets you know they don't even get that damn hot i mean cold out here in la but you still wore (laughs) you got the starter jacket you know what i'm saying yeah right um so working on that um and then uh shooting house party coming up um nice yeah my cousins are the director of that by the way really <laughs> yeah oh look at that plug look at that plug okay uh calmatic calmatic yeah yeah yeah. all right man hey hey yeah, yeah just tell them when you on set let them know yeah, I will. I will. I will. I'm doing a I'm doing a basketball scene uh, for them. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm doing a basketball scene for them. Uh, so yeah, so, so I got some things uh, happening down the pipeline, man. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Shanti underscore Cook, and 
yeah, that's that's all I have. <laughs> well, that's that's a lot. You're pretty busy. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm having the socials. So, so but yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty much it, man. Uh, before we let you go, we have a game called 24 Seconds Shot Clock Rapid Fire. All right. And so I'm going to ask you a series of questions. It's just either red or blue, and you would just pick one. And nothing crazy. Right. Um, so I'm going to just ask you these questions. Um, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> eight, 87 Lakers or 01 Lakers? 01. Ice Cube or Snoop Dogg? Snoop. Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones. <sighs> I gotta go, Eddie. Blue chips or Space Jam? Space Jam. <laughs> you were a little hesitant there. Uh, Nike, Nike Cortez or Chuck Taylor? Ooh. I gotta go, Chucks. Okay. Magic Mountain or Knott's Berry Farm? Magic Mountain. Jeans or sweats? Sweats. Stable Center or Great Western Form? Great Western Form. Martin or Fresh Prince? I'm a Fresh Prince guy. Me too. Uh, Lamar Odom or Darius Miles? Hello, the goods. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Would you rather live in the U.S. or in Europe? Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather play on the hardwood or outdoors? Hardwood. Better on your knees. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Westchester or Georgetown? Oh, <laughs> I gotta go. My comments, Westchester. <laughs> All right, and we round it out with hooping or acting. Damn, that's tough. I'm gonna say hooping, man. I'm gonna say hooping. I like hooping. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you, you did well with our rapid fire, man. We appreciate that. Appreciate it. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it, man. Uh, we thank you so much for, uh, you know, being our first guest on our new uh, Shoot for Teams podcast. Um, and we thank you. It was great. It was a great hour and 15 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. Storytelling. Um, hopefully we'll have you back. You have you have more projects on the way. So you right. know, hopefully we'll have you on for round two or whatever. All right. Cool. Yeah, I definitely uh, would love to come back. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Appreciate it. Nah, man. Right. We, we got to get the Inglewood native in there, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Shanti Cook, thank you again for being on the podcast. Old Man Ross uh, signing off. <laughs> and I'm D Hill again, the gift card bandits. And you already know the tagline spread love and not hate. Get in the gym, shoot some jumpers, at least about eight. Peace. Thank y'all for being here. <laughs>